Our question is, why do Jews pray at graves? Um, we know Jews do pray at graves. Um, we've all seen it and experienced that. The question is why or how, why do we do so? So before we get to answer this question directly, it's important to first understand the importance of graves in Judaism, and also what really what happens to us when we die. So in Judaism, we believe that a person is not their body. A person is a soul. The body just encases the soul, but the soul is spiritual. So the I that thinks is the soul. The brain processes the thought, but it's the soul that thinks. Computers also process, not as well as brains do. Well, some things they do better, but some things they don't. Um, but the I is the soul, the I that actually thinks, the I that feels. The brain may respond with different chemicals, but the I that feels that is the soul. Um, the I that decides, that understands, that loves, that's the soul. So we are all souls encased in a body. We are not, the body is not us. Um, we are rather souls encased in a body. And while we are currently in our bodily state, while we are alive and encased in our body, we can only sense things through the body. In other words, the soul is, so to speak, stuck in the body and cannot see outside of the body. So we can only see that which the body can see with its eyes, hear that which the body can hear with its ears, um, uh, understand things that the body can relate to, we can only relate to things through our body. But we are not the body. We stand above the body. We were here before we were born. We existed outside of a body. And we believe in the same way a soul continues to exist after we die. So where do we go when we die? We don't go anywhere. We continue to exist as a spiritual soul outside of a body. Now, we humans struggle to understand spirituality because in our current state, we can only sense things through our body, which means that we can't sense spirituality to the point that we don't know what we are. In other words, I am a soul, but I don't know what a soul is because I, the soul, is right now encased in a body that does not want its controlled by a soul and managed by a soul. This body cannot actually understand the soul and therefore the um, therefore, I cannot understand myself or what I am or what life would be like without a body. However, we do believe that when our body dies, our soul continues to live in a spiritual reality. We have no idea what spiritual realities are like because we cannot sense things outside of our material world in our current state. But we do believe the soul continues to experience a spiritual reality. And in that reality, the soul has its own spiritual experiences that we cannot relate to. Yet we can be, yet at the same time, not only does the soul have spiritual experiences, we believe that while the physical reality has no sense of the spiritual reality, in a spiritual reality, they do sense the physical reality. So souls that are now outside a body, in other words, people that have died are, in, are now outside their bodies, no longer sense. Uh, they, though we can no longer sense them, we can't really feel them, although we may have some experience that makes us 
feel like they're there, but we cannot positively be certain, um, generally, with some few exceptions. However, the soul, in its spiritual sense, can be aware of what's going on in our physical world. And it can be aware of its family, of its loved ones, of others. It can be aware of our good times. It can be aware of challenges that we face. So while the soul, so therefore when a person dies, the soul continues to live in this spiritual reality. Spiritual reality stands above space and above time. Time and space are both part of the physical. Um, so the soul stands above space and time. It stands at a spiritual reality. The body that it left behind is buried in the ground. The soul now moves on and moves into a spiritual reality that we call Gan Eden, um, Garden of Eden. We also have a process called Gehenim. We did a class a little while back that is on, our, on the podcast um, about the Jewish belief in heaven and hell, or Gan Eden and Gehenim, but we explained it in much greater detail. So the soul moves on. But even so, it retains a connection to the place on earth where its body lies. Kabbalah teaches that there are three dimensions to everything. Olam, Shana, and Nefesh. Olam, Shana, Nefesh, or space, time, and soul. Everything has three dimensions. Space, time, and soul. And so, we're all found in space, we're all found in time, and we are all found with soul. Nothing exists without some sort of soul. So in a human soul, we're told that even after the soul dies, though the soul is now a spiritual being that leaves this physical world, it doesn't entirely sever its relationship with space and time. And it retains a connection to a particular space and retains a connection to a particular time. The space that it retains connection to is where the body that it formerly occupied lies. The time it retains connection to is the anniversary, the annual anniversary of its passing, of when it had left the body. That is the time that those now spiritual and beyond time, it retains the connection to that space and time. So although the grave where the body is buried, although the grave where the body is buried is a, is a place for the body, the soul moves beyond the grave. However, the soul, which is eternal, continues, even in its spirit, current spiritual reality, continues to retain a connection to the place where the body is buried. And that is one of the reasons why burial is so important in Judaism, because this, that, that allows the soul to retain a connection to this world and retain a connection to its loved ones. There are, of course, many other reasons why burial is important. Um, it's respectful, respectful way to deal with a body, which we consider very holy, the holiest thing, because it carried a soul. Um, we also um, believe in the resurrection, that every soul will come back into its body at some point, and um, therefore we bury the body um, where there's always something left of the body. It never, they never um, disintegrate entirely. 
and um, that and from there God recreates the person. Um, for those who were not buried, we do believe that God can still recreate them in the resurrection, um, but it's just more of a process. Um, so therefore, for all those reasons, burial is extremely important in Judaism, but relevant to our discussion here, um, the soul retains connection to space, and that space is where the body is buried. We also, because the soul retains a connection to time, um, we also observe the yard site, the anniversary of the passing, as a day to connect to our loved ones um, and saintly individuals. So the soul, the grave, which is where our loved ones are, the soul is best connected to. So we go to our grave, the grave of our loved ones to visit them, to connect to them and to pray. Um, as well as the day of the yard site is a day, is the time that they are most connected to and the way they, that they connect to, that they're able to connect to. And so through that time, we connect to our loved ones on the day of the yard site. We also, as we'll soon see, we do the same for tzaddikim, for saintly individuals. We go to their grave in order to connect to them or observe their yard site, the anniversary of their passing, in order to connect to them. That's why we have a tradition that on the anniversary of the passing, on the yard site, we go to the grave because on that day we're able to connect in that place that the soul is connected to both in time and in space. Any questions? Yeah, Rabbi, um, I have a question. Uh, uh, people use the expression in referring to someone who has passed, uh, she's looking down on us or he's looking down on us from above and is that more of a, a Christian expression or just a general expression? No, it's a Jewish expression. Someone's looking down on us. That's, that's a Jewish expression. Um, but when we say looking down, um, it's important to remember it's not literally down. When we speak above, we're not speaking in space above, but we're speaking above in level. In other words, they're in a spiritual reality and they're looking at us and we do believe they're aware of what we're doing. Oh, okay. Spiritual level. All right. That, that if on a yurt site you are, as I would be for my father, 3,000 plus miles away from where his grave is, uh, do I actually make a spiritual connection when I pray or light that yurt site candle? Does he able Absolutely. to... Absolutely. A person can firstly can connect their loved ones who have passed on any time, anywhere. But the best place to connect to them is at a grave. Uh, is at their grave, and the best time to connect them is at their yard site. If someone can go to the grave at the yard site, they should. If they cannot, then they do whatever they can do, um, observe the yard site in whatever way they can. But it's definitely common for people to travel distances in order to go to their parents or family yard site on the, the grave site on the day of the yard site. Cheryl? If the person who has passed is aware of what we do can we pray can we talk to them and say give me a, a sign and have them do it yes they won't necessarily do it but we definitely can ask for it but they can hear us they can hear us we do believe they they're aware of us yes thank you so jews have prayed um at graves since the beginning of Jewish history. The first instance we find of Jews praying at graves is in this week's Parsha, when the spies went up to the land of Israel 
and we're told that Caleb, one of the 12 spies, went to Hebron, and while the Torah doesn't tell us why he went to Hebron, our sages say in the Talmud that he went to Hebron in order to pray at the graves of our patriarchs and matriarchs, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, and Jacob and Leah, are all buried over there in Hebron at the cave of Machpelah. And um, so he went over there to pray. Why did he go to pray? Um, the Talmud says that they were, he sensed that the spies were up to no good, and he asked God to save him from the, what the spies are planning. Sorry, he asked the, and he asked, invoked the help of his ancestors. The Midrash tells us that the only one of our patriarchs and matriarchs that are not buried in, at the cave of the patriarchs and matriarchs in Hebron is Rachel, Rachel. Uh, some time ago we did a class about Rachel, um, and Rachel, we're told, was buried on the side of the road, just outside of Bethlehem, which is right just south of Jerusalem. And uh, though, the, though the Torah doesn't give us a reason, the Midrash tells us that the reason why she was buried there was so that many years later, um, we would be able to, bury at, to pray at her grave. Firstly, Joseph, her own son, as he was being led down to Egypt from Shechem, he passed by, she was buried on the side of the road, so he passed by her grave, and he stopped to pray um, and ask for help over there. Um, many years later, we are told, by the destruction of the first temple, when our ancestors um, were taken as slaves to Babylon, taken exiled to Babylon, the, um, they stopped on the way at Bethlehem, at Bethlehem, at Rachel's tomb, and they prayed over there. Indeed, the Midrash tells us how during the capture of Jerusalem by the Babylonians, the prophet Jeremiah went to the cave of the patriarchs of um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, uh, Sarah, Rebecca, and Leah in Hebron, as well as to Rachel's tomb to ask for help. And in the book of Jeremiah, we are told how Rachel, Rachel, goes to God and asks God to save her children. Um, Rachel, Mavaka Albaneha, Rachel is crying about her children, and God promises her, Yesh sachar lepulatech, v'yesh tikvah there is reward for your work, and there is hope for your end, v'shavu banim l'gvulam, your children are going to return back to their land. So this promise that they will return was given to Rachel after she prayed for us as a soul, um, after we, our ancestors, stopped by her grave to pray as they were being led into exile. So throughout in that vein, throughout our history, we have always visited graves. There are stories of the Talmud, of people going to their parents' graves, um, people going to the graves of our matriarchs and patriarchs, of other sages, um, to ask for help. Um, and this is... Um, and for that reason, people always try to bury their relatives in places where they will be able to visit them. Uh, usually they try to, we try to bury them near where the children live or near where family lives so they can easily go visit them. And um, we would always, Jews would always try to make sure to keep up the cemeteries in honor of their parents. And in addition to our own families, there were many tzaddikim, many saintly individuals throughout our history, in addition to our matriarchs and patriarchs, that people would come to from all over to pray. Many of them had um, mausoleums, or what we call in Hebrew an 
Ohel or Tzion, built over their graves um, in order to allow people to gather and to pray over there by their graves. Now, some people wonder, how can you pray at a grave if the Torah tells us to communicate directly to God? We know every person can speak directly to God without any intermediaries, without anyone between us and God. So when we go to a grave, there are two different things that we are doing over there. Firstly, a grave of someone who was meaningful to us, say a parent or other family member or a loved one, um, a spouse, or a a grave of a saintly individual, a tzaddik, is a great place to pray to God. We can ask God to help us in merit of the deceased, assuming they were a righteous person. And we Jews always prayed in merit of our ancestors. We begin our Shemona Esrei, our Amida prayer, by saying, Elokeinu velokei avoteinu, our God and the God of our fathers. And we begin many prayers with those words, the God of our fathers. Because when we pray to God, we want to invoke our parents, our ancestors, whether Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who we invoke at the beginning of the uh, Amida, the Shemona Esrei, or we can invoke other parents, ancestors, and ask God, if we are undeserving to get whatever we are asking for, give us in merit of our ancestors. It is the equivalent of somebody going to ask for a favor from someone in power, or someone who's in position to help, and says, you know, maybe you won't do it for myself, but you knew my dad, or you knew my mom, and you like them, do it for their sake. So we do the same to God. We say, you may not like me, but maybe I'm undeserving, but you like my parents, my grandparents, do it for their sake. So we pray to God in merit of our ancestors. Another point, is, another point shared is that the, uh, at a place where we've lost a loved one, it's a place where we take to heart when we go there, the loss of our loved one. We're sad about having lost our loved one. And when we turn to God in a, with a broken heart, God is always quicker to respond. And therefore, paying, praying by a grave is always a better place to pray. Furthermore, we believe that when Mashiach will come, all people who are buried now will all be resurrected, will all come back to life. But the Talmud tells us that before they come back to life, they will not come back to life in their current spot, but rather they will roll from their, their body will roll, or whatever remnants there are, will roll from their grave um, underground to the land of Israel, miraculously, and then they will come up and come back to life in the land of Israel. Because Tchiat HaMetim, resurrection, will only happen in Israel. So therefore, um, every grave, that graveside that we go to, um, is in a sense holy, like the holy land, because the person who is buried there will come up in the holy land. Um, furthermore, because we believe in the resurrection, um, and that that will be a very powerfully spiritual time, um, we believe that by every grave there is energy, spiritual energy, um, similar to that of the future times of Moshiach. So it is a very holy place, a grave. Because a grave is a very holy place, it is therefore an ideal place to pray to God. So we go to graves of our loved ones, as well as graves of tzaddikim, of saintly individuals, to pray to God over there. God is quicker to answer us when we pray at the grave of a loved one. 
God is quicker to answer us when we pray at the grave of a tzaddik, of a saintly person. In addition to praying at the, to God at a grave, we can also speak to our loved ones. We can ask our loved ones to pray for us and to bless us. While we believe that every person can and must pray to God directly, if we can, we, should, we can also ask others to pray on our behalf. When a person is sick, we know, we don't only pray ourselves, in other words, the sick individual is not the only one who prays, but we encourage others to pray on behalf of the sick individual. The more people turning to God in prayer, the quicker God will be to answer. And so we always ask other people to pray. We actually had an example of this in last week's Parsha, when Moshe and Aaron's sister Miriam was stricken with Tzarat, with the Tzarat disease. Aaron turns to Moshe and he says, please pray for her. And Moshe does compose um, a prayer for his sister Miriam. And so it's always been tradition to ask others to pray on our behalf, just as um, we can ask other people who are alive to pray on our behalf. We can also ask souls to intercede with God on our behalf, to pray to God on our behalf. So we can go to the graves of our loved ones and turn to our parents, our spouse, um, other grandparents, other family and friends and ask them, please um, pray to God on our behalf. The soul who's in a spiritual reality has a closer relationship with God than us that don't see God. The soul has a better, uh, uh, has a better sense of God. And so therefore we can ask the soul to pray on our behalf. It's always more powerful when they pray for us. The same is also for a tzaddik. Uh, it's always been Jewish tradition to ask tzaddikim, saintly people, righteous people to pray for our behalf. Um, we know that God listens to the prayers of tzaddikim, of the righteous people, and so we've always turned to tzaddikim, saintly individuals, and asked them to pray for us, in addition, of course, to us praying ourselves. And so we can not only ask a tzaddik who is alive to pray for us, we can also ask a tzaddik who has already passed on to pray for us, and the best place to do it, to connect to them, is at their gravesite. Not only can we ask our loved ones or a tzaddik, to pray for us, we can also ask them to bless us. A blessing is when someone wishes good for somebody else. And we always bless people. We believe that there is great power to blessing, to blessings from any person. Anyone who wishes good on somebody else, God pays attention. God listens to people who wish good for others. And when we wish good for others, God listens to that. We should always be blessing other people, um, especially people whom we love. We should always give them blessings and good wishes. And so we can not only ask for blessings and good wishes from our loved ones or from our friends while we are alive, but while they are alive, but also after their passing, they can still bless us and give us good wishes. And now they're in a spiritual state, their blessings are even more powerful. So we can, and we believe that God pays attention to people's blessings and to the blessing of souls as well. So we can not only ask our loved ones to pray for us, we can also ask our loved ones to bless us. And if they care for us, and we believe that they do, 
um, then they, we, they will bless us. If they would have blessed us while alive, we're certain that they'll wish us good after death as well. The same is also true for a tzaddik, a saintly individual. It's um, God listens to the blessings of saintly individuals. The Talmud tells us, tzaddik gozer v'hakadosh baruch hu mekayem. It's tzaddik decrees and God fulfills. God listens to the instructions or the good wishes of the righteous. And so it's always been tradition to go to tzaddikim, saintly individuals, and ask them for um, blessings, request blessings from them. And we believe their blessings are very powerful, and we can do the same even after their death, uh, particularly by going to their grave, the best place to connect to the soul and ask for a blessing. For this reason, it has always been a Jewish custom to visit the graves of our loved ones. There's, been, there's a custom um, to visit the grave of our loved one right after Shiva. As soon as we get up from Shiva, we go to the grave for the uh, Shloshim or the 30-day um, the mark after passing we visit. And then every year on the yard site, um, it's a custom to visit the grave of our loved ones. We can pray for their soul and we could also ask them to pray for us. We can pray to God at their grave, and we can ask them for blessings. For that reason, it's also customary that every time we face major challenges in life, or when we cross major milestones in life, or have things to be thankful for, we go to the grave of our loved ones. The gravesite is the best place to talk to them, because that is the place that they are connected to on earth said the soul is connected to one place on earth, and that is the graveside. It's also a good place to pray to God for anything that we need. We can also ask our loved ones to pray for us, ask our loved ones to bless us. We can even ask our loved ones for advice. If we would have asked them advice um, when they were alive, we can ask them for advice when we're dealing with a serious dilemma after their passing as well. Um, and they may find a way to offer us that advice. Um, sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. It's hard to know exactly how they are responding, but sometimes we'll see in very definitive ways, we will see their response. Jews have in the same way always gone to pray at the graves of, before I go further, is there any, any questions before I go further? Yes. Go ahead, Steve. Um, Glad to have so you back Cohen, this week. Thank you. Um, so Cohen's don't get to do all this? That is a very good question. Um, Cohen's are not, as we did it, spoke about in our class about Cohen's, Cohen's are not allowed to go to cemeteries, are not allowed to come in contact with the dead. Um, and so Cohen's would not be able to do this in a, in a basic way. There's a Jewish tradition to bury relatives of Cohen's um, at the edge of the cemetery. And the reason for that is they could stand right outside the cemetery and still be close to their loved ones um, mm -hmm. so that they are able to get to the grave in that way. Um, and so there is some debate about Cohen's going to the graves of Tzadikim and how they can. Um, there's special ways to design the graves of Tzadikim, of saintly individuals, to allow Cohen's to enter halachically. Um, and uh, some, many of them have been built in such a way. Um, but yes, it is a, you are right, it is a challenge for Cohen's. Okay, and what about if you're tattooed or you commit suicide? Is that 
a real thing that you can't be buried in a Everyone cemetery? Everyone can get buried in a Jewish cemetery. Everyone. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. And should be buried in a Jewish cemetery. Mm -hmm. um, how, thank you. Um, how important is it or advantageous is it to have all the family members buried um, in the same proximity? If you're going to visit them, the more family members in the same proximity, the easier it will be for children to visit. So when we bury people, we keep in mind the importance of um, the children coming to visit. Um, so we try to bury them near children, um, and it is important for them to be buried in a way that children can easily visit many of them simultaneously. Um, because the soul is connected to the grave, um, you do want to be buried near people whom you feel a connection to. Uh, it also impacts the soul. So it is important. How important is it? I would not say it's a, of primary importance. Uh, better to be buried properly wherever it may be. Um, but it is definitely an advantage. Thank you. Rabbi, are there specific prayers that we should or should not say at gravesite? A Kaddish, a Kaddish Rabbanan, a Shabbat. That's a very good question. What prayers do we say at gravesites? Um, so, depends which gravesite. Generally, the custom is to read Psalms, the book of Psalms, Tehillim. There are many different traditions as to which particular Psalms to read. Uh, but that's generally what we do at the graves. We read the book from the book of Psalms uh, because the varying traditions, I would say that take a book of Psalms with you and read any part of Psalms. That's the best thing to pray. It's ideal to say Kaddish, particularly on the yard site at a grave. Um, however, in order to recite the Kaddish, you need to have a minion. Um, and generally, it's hard to get a minion in cemeteries. Um, but sometimes people request friends, relatives to come in order to be able to make a minion to recite the Kaddish. And so definitely, if you can do that, it's definitely a wonderful thing to do. Now for tzaddikim, for saintly individuals, there are actually booklets. Um, there's a booklet called Ma'ane Lashon, which can be found in English, um, of special prayers to be said at the graves of tzaddikim, of saintly individuals. Caleb? What about visiting grandparents' graves? One should definitely visit grandparents' graves. Um, one should visit, all, all visit graves of all loved ones, um, including parents, grandparents, or any other relative whom you know really cares for you. Um, you should definitely visit grandparents' graves. Um, we were, um, I took my family last year to um, Montreal where my wife's grandfather is buried. Um, her grandmother lives there. We went to visit. Um, there um, on our way to her parents in Toronto. And uh, while we were there, we stopped and took the children to visit her grandfather's grave. Um, that's what we do as Jews. If we go to a city where a grandparent is buried or a relative is buried, um, and we happen to be there for whatever reason, uh, we make an effort to go visit our loved one in the cemetery. So Jews, in addition to praying at the graves of our loved ones, we also have always gone to pray at the graves of tzaddikim. The place where a tzaddik, where a saintly individual is buried, is particularly holy, a good place to pray to God. We also can ask a tzaddik, a saintly person, to intercede on our behalf, pray to God for us. Their prayers are very powerful. We also can ask a tzaddik for a blessing, ask them to bless us for what we need, 
And when we're unsure what to do, we can go to a tzaddik who is, when they were alive, we go to tzaddikim who are divinely inspired and ask them for advice. And if they have divine inspiration, they can give us um, powerful advice. We can do the same by going to the grave of a deceased tzaddik and they will find, we believe, they will find a way to respond to us. Furthermore, Kabbalah teaches that every Jew is part of one larger soul. So the soul of every individual is part of a greater soul called Knesset Yisrael, or literally the gathering of Israel. So we are essentially all really one. At the source, the source of all souls, we are all really one. Now, at the center of that greater soul that we are all part of are the souls of tzaddikim. The souls of tzaddikim is what really holds, of saintly individuals, hold our souls together and are really connected with God in a very deep way. So while every soul is connected with God, our connection to God is particularly through, because we're all connected as one, that connection is felt strongest with the souls of tzaddikah, with the souls of saintly individuals. So when we go to the, visit saintly individuals who are alive, or go to the graves of tzaddikim after their death, we are able to, in that way, build a stronger connection to God, since the, their soul, all our souls are connected, and their souls are connected to God in a stronger way. And so therefore, Jews have always gone to kivrei tzaddikim, to the graves of tzaddikim, in order to pray. In the land of Israel, there are many graves, Kivrei Tzadikim, graves of Tzadikim. There is the cave of Machpelah in Hebron that we have mentioned, um, where our ancestors, Abraham, Sarah, Yitzchak, Rivka, Yaakov, and Leah are all buried, as well as we believe Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve. And so it's a wonderful place to go and pray. Um, it's somewhat controversial for political reasons, but it has always been the place that we Jews always prayed, um, starting with Kalev in this week's parsha. So it's a very, very powerful place to go to and pray. There is also the grave of Rachel, our mother, matriarch Rachel, Rachel, um, just outside Bethlehem, um, right near Jerusalem, where we can go and pray. And as we said, Rachel was the one who got God's promise in the book of Jeremiah, um, that we will return when we were in, sent to exile. And so we believe that Rachel is the mother of all of Israel and like all of his, like a mother will always be there whenever her children are in need. There is also in the town of Shechem, um, in the center of Israel, there is the tomb of Joseph. Unfortunately, there's been some um, political challenges to visiting the tomb of Joseph in recent years. It is possible to go with an armored tour um, to the tomb of Joseph, um, but it has been somewhat challenging recently. Um, there are many, many other tzaddikim, saintly individuals, both from the biblical period um, that are buried in uh, around the land of Israel, as well as from later periods, um, from the Mishnaic, from the Second Temple period, from the Mishnaic period. Perhaps the most famous tomb from that period is that of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, one of the great sages of the Mishnah and the Talmud and the author of the Zohar, father of Kabbalah, who is buried in Meiron. And it is customary for people to go every year on Lagba Omer, the 33rd day of the Omer, which is the anniversary of his passing. We go to Meiron, people go to Meiron, as many as a half a million people visit there 
um, on Lag Ba'omer, people really visit year-round to uh, pray at his grave. There, is, uh, there are many other graves from the Tanaic period, um, Yonatan ben Uziel, where people go to traditionally when they have, um, when they're looking for their shidduch, for their um, match, for um, looking, looking to find the right one. Um, people go to Yonatan ben Uziel to pray in Amuka, and there are many other graves, Rabbi Akiva in Tiberias, um, and many other of our sages who are buried around um, in the land of Israel, mostly in northern Israel. Also from later periods, we have many great sages. Maimonides is buried in Tiberias, um, and in the holy city of Sfad, um, the um, great Arizal is buried over there in the old cemetery in Sfad. Um, his mikveh that he used is right there outside the cemetery. People go to as well as his grave to pray by, and he's buried right next to a number of other sages, including um, Rabbi, Meir, uh, Rabbi Moshe Cordoviro and uh, Rabbi Shlomo Alkabetz, and not far away as Rabbi Yosef Karo, many other great sages from that period. Um, not only are there dozens and dozens of graves of our holy sages and holy righteous individuals um, throughout the ages in the land of Israel, um, due to our long history, um, in exile, uh, really throughout the world, we have graves of sages and um, saintly individuals um, in all parts of the world, um, some of which Jews cannot go to, unfortunately. The grave of Mordechai and Esther, which has been desecrated, unfortunately, time and again in Iran. Um, the graves of um, the graves of, uh, grave of Ezekiel in Iraq. Um, unfortunately, those are places that Jews are not no longer able to go to. Um, however, many Jew, there are many holy places of Jews in North Africa, um, Rabbi Yaakov Abu Khatir in Egypt, there's in Tunisia, in Algeria, in Morocco, there are many graves of saintly individuals, Rabbi Chaim Pinto, and many others that people go to regularly in order to be able to pray at their graves. In addition, in Europe, particularly in Eastern Europe, there are many graves of saintly individuals, notably in Ukraine, there is the grave of the Baal Shem Tov, in Mezhevoz, um, the Alter Rebbe, um, Rav Zalman uh, in Hadich, and Rav Nachman of Breslov in Uman. Um, in Poland, there is Rav Eli Melech in Lizensk. And there are many, there are dozens and dozens of other holy places, um, graves of very saintly individuals, um, really throughout Europe where Jews have lived um, over the years. And many Jews fly there, make special trips to these places, just in order to pray at the graves of these um, saintly individuals. So today in our times, the tzaddik, the saintly person, the sage, who has made the greatest impact on Judaism in our generation, in our times, without doubt, is the Rebbe. The Rebbe um, the, uh, has inspired thousands of his followers to leave their communities and build new communities, um, bringing millions of Jews back to Judaism, countering, stopping them from assimilating and giving them Jewish experience, Jewish education, and the ability to, um, ha to um, follow the, study the Torah and follow God's commandments. Uh, our community, of course, was founded by Rabbi Yossi and Sarah um, with the Rebbe's inspiration. Um, they came here when there was not much here in the South Bay and built 
um, a large successful Jewish community on the Rebbe's calling to build communities around the world and reach out to every single Jew. The Rebbe helped thousands or hundreds of thousands in his lifetime um, with advice, with blessings, with amazing miracles. People visited the Rebbe throughout the many years um, that he was, um, uh, that he led, um, uh, th uh, that he served as Rebbe in New York. Um, they would go in the later years, he would give out dollar bills. People would stop by, you would give out dollar bills, give to charity and ask him, any people would be able to ask him for blessings or advice on anything they needed. People would write letters to the Rebbe. In fact, um, in the, um, when the, when people were writing letters to the Rebbe, this is back in the days of snail mail, back in the um, 70s, 80s, um, the Rebbe was the individual with the single most mail in the United States, uh, more than the president, more than any other individual. Um, and um, the Rebbe would answer, uh, had a whole team of secretaries that worked um, that would type up the answers, but he would answer um, hundreds of letters daily, uh, people asking for blessings, people asking for requests, and many people had amazing miracles, amazing experiences. Um, when they went to the Rebbe, asked for his blessing, asked for his prayers, asked for his requests. The Rebbe passed away 26 years ago, and he is buried um, in what we call the Ohel. Ohel is a term for the grave of a saintly individual, literally means a tent. Um, he's buried in Queens in New York, and uh, people today come from all over the world to pray and to ask for his blessing. I know many people have flown in. Um, he's not far from JFK. They fly in, just go to go to his graveside, pray there, and then they'll fly right back. Um, and the OL is really busy with visitors um, 24 hours a day. And so it is a place that I would encourage anybody who's in need of a blessing or anybody who has a dilemma who wants the Rebbe's advice or just someone looking for inspiration to go there, to visit, to pray there and ask for the Rebbe's blessing. People in our community have flown there just to go to the Ohel, um, as well as I know many people who whenever they go through New York, uh, many in our community also, whenever they travel to New York for other reasons, always make it a point to stop at the Rebbe's Ohel, um, at the Rebbe's resting place. And there have been countless stories of people who went to the Ohel and were helped um, after asking the Rebbe for a blessing. Um, people who um, received advice that they sought, um, whether they asked and just something came their way that resolved the question that they had um, and the like. And so um, I would encourage anybody who can to travel there. If you feel you need a blessing or need advice, visit the Rebbe's Ohel. Um, but for those unable to travel to New York, and right now none of us are able to travel or are at least discouraged from unnecessary travel right now, um, you can always write to the Rebbe. People, while he was alive, would write to the Rebbe. You can write to the Ohel. And letters that they receive at the OHEL, there's a team that um, manages the OHEL, and letters that they receive are always dropped over the Rebbe's um, resting place. When people do go, they always write a letter. Um, the custom is they write a letter and then tear it up um, over, read it in front of, by the Rebbe over the OHEL, and then tear it up. If you send a um, message there, you send a letter, um, the Rebbe, they will, um, 
they will um, drop it over the Ohel, and you can in that way receive the Rebbe's blessing. Um, during his lifetime, the Rebbe would receive thousands of such letters and would respond with blessings and advice. And so I would encourage um, anybody looking for a blessing, whether a particular blessing or just a general blessing, I encourage you to send a letter, whether by mail or by email. Today we can do it digitally, and they have, they have a printer that automatically prints out all emails that they receive um, and place, and then they have people regularly going and placing it on the Rebbe's grave. And you can be assured that the Rebbe will surely give you his blessing and send you his advice. And particularly, I should mention, next Thursday, next thir a week from this Thursday, is going to be the Rebbe's yard site. The Hebrew date will be the third of um, the Hebrew date is the 3rd of Tammuz. Um, the English date is June 25th. Um, I encourage everyone on that day, it's the Rebbe's Yard Site, the best day to connect to him. Usually I try to fly to New York to be at the Rebbe's Ohel on the Rebbe's Yard Site. Um, unfortunately, this year um, we are unable to, um, so we'll have to observe the Yard Site from here. But I encourage everyone to write to the Ohel and ask for a blessing on that day. That's going to be next Thursday, um, June 25th. Um, to do so, to write to the Ohel, um, the easiest way to do so, to write digitally, is go to our website, jccmb.com forward slash Ohel, O-H-E-L. So jccmb.com forward slash Ohel, O-H-E-L. And that is the um, best way over there. There's a form you can fill out that will automatically print a letter there at the OHEL that will be dropped right afterwards into the Rebbe's um, OHEL. And so I encourage you to do so if you've done it already, continue doing so. If you have not done so, um, I definitely encourage you um, to do so to write to the Rebbe's OHEL.